I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour. A forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together, they cover the Twin Cities. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Real Estate Radio Hour. My name is Steve Thompson, sitting in for Denny Long again this week. Denny returns next Saturday. He's on a good neighbor tour. And doing well. Once again, we look forward to Denny's return next Saturday here on CCO. It is a lovely day. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris and Andy. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been kind of uh, doing a lot of listings again, getting a lot of product on the on the shelf. But I'll tell you, Andy, don't you see that, I mean, typically around dates that go around the 4th of July, we typically get a lull? You know, you do. Uh, you know, it's kind of an odd time of the year, though, because you'll see people that have their free time. They've designated this as a vacation, you know, weekend. And it's amazing how fast people run out of vacation things to do. And they actually say, you know what, as long as I'm up here at the cabin, let's go look at that open house around the bay over here. or Let's go take a look at that piece of property that I saw the directional signs going to. So I actually see activity on holiday weekends, you know, um, contrary to belief that, you know, you wouldn't sell anything. Some of the best weekends we have in real estate are Mother's Day, Father's Day. You know, when people are out with the family for brunch and they stop by the open houses. And um, I got to move to your side of town. Yeah, because we can have the opposite on the south side, you but the north side's a little different. Of a holiday, we, we don't. We uh, we capitalize and yeah, no. You know, I think the thing is though, is that with with a big weekend like this, traditionally when we go through the cyclical selling seasons in real estate, we have the Fourth of July is usually the beginning of the slower part of the summer for us in selling. Uh, most people are, you know, focused on family vacations or they're, you know, uh, want to get up to the cabin more frequently. And so we're seeing things generally slow down. The other side of that is is getting kids into school um, before school season starts, which is actually just, you know, less than 90 days away. So we're probably in a, in a transition where we're going to see um, a little bit of a slow. But I mean, gosh, this week, like you said, Chris, I've been ridiculously busy all week. Um, and it looks like we're going to carry that momentum over into next week with new construction, existing sales. Um, and the buyers are still coming in in droves. So, just listed another one I think, which is kind of interesting. We we talk about new construction a lot. You represent uh, Eternity Homes. You, yep. How many models do you even man? Oh man, I think yeah. we've got we're yeah, eight. quite a few of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you're obviously really into the new construction part. But it was interesting because did a market analysis and uh, it showed up, and I just kind of did a range between four and five hundred thousand. Uh, in that in the Prior Lake School District, mm-hmm. and uh, there's like almost what it was at uh, like 70 properties for sale. Right. Everyone talks about this inventory, and then I broke it down. Anything before 2016, I kept separate, and there was 20 of those. Yeah, and so it's a lot of to be built and model homes. So a ton of new construction that's happening out there. Well, you know, and a, a, basically when you see that, a lot of people get frustrated and they say, "Well, geez, why would they do that?" That's an example that the builder can give of what could be done. 
Um, you know, maybe you want a, a 3,000 square foot house or you want a 2,000 square foot house. You want a walkout lot? Do you want the pond? Um, and those just give people inspiration to want to come in and visit with the builder or the builder's representative and say, you know, what can you guys do for this price? Um, it is interesting, though, because the agents that are out there listening, I, I get busy, too, and do the same thing. We're also, you know, book all the showings. And you're like, oops, I booked a couple of these to be built. So basically, it says go to our model. And uh, But, it, you know, the idea there is, 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 again, to give an example, because you are who we're targeting. When you're out there as a buyer and you're thinking of going and looking at those houses in that price range, they do want to have those examples there to grab your attention, to try to lure you into building new, which – you know, I mean, all I'm trying to do is support the economy. And, and from a existing real estate sales point of view, you have to you have to take that into account. That that I mean, obviously, new construction is competition, mm-hmm. and that's why I always say that you know what new construction does is they try to lay out everything that they're better at yep. and what they're including. So then people kind of look at it and kind of do a checklist, kind of look, hey, this guy's got cherry, this one's got maple, mm-hmm. which one's better? But we have to do that from the existing side too. Because if we don't do that, then how can they compare it against new construction? Right. Because an existing home, you're going to get a lot more value per se. It might be 10 years older, but you're going to get your landscaping. You're going to get your blinds, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that, you know, maybe the deck and then there's a patio. And then, you know, those things that you created over time that you have to pay for. I mean, you pay for everything when you do new construction, but it's new. And well, and then we come down to, we've talked about this before too, where it's like, what's your, you know, what's the price you pay versus the cost? The price on new construction is higher on the front end because it's, everything's shiny brand new, but the cost to own it should be in theory less because you have warranties on everything. Everything will last longer. You're going to get the full life out of everything that's in that house from the water heaters to the furnaces to the carpet. And so when you buy an existing house and you buy that and you say, oh yeah, the roof is eight years or newer. Well, it's probably eight years in a day, you know what I mean? And so it's, you're already pushing the limits. So they've taken a lot of the life out of those items as well. So th- that is part of the, the price difference because people ask me all the time, you know, why, why is new construction so much more? And the big thing that I'm concerned with as, you know, flying 10,000 feet up looking down, I'm concerned with labor. I'm concerned with lot prices because those two things are starting to squeeze us and in lumber. And lumber prices are starting to fluctuate up again and because of supply and demand. And so what happens is those things can jump new construction up. All of a sudden, a $400,000 house can jump up to four twenty five pretty fast. And then you just nipped off, you know, 13, 14% of the buyers. And now all of a sudden you think, oh my gosh, housing is slowing when it's just a simple economic, you know, um, example of what's happening out there. So, you know, later on in the show, we're going to talk a lot about estate planning. And oh, uh, when you're talking about kind of over that 4th of July weekend and people are going up to their cabin and things like that, I think, you know, and we get a slowdown. Mm-hmm. I think what happens, the slowdown is because everyone gets too busy, right? you know? And so then what do you do? You start spending time with your family and, Blah, blah, blah. Talk mm-hmm. about estate planning. I mean, yeah. you, you got to do that stuff or else that's going to be a, a, a problem later on. But anyways, um, Seth Nielsen with Healy, Duncan, and uh, Melander, Melander uh, is uh, going to be here today talking all about estate planning. So is his nickname then Attorney Man since his boy's Attorney, name is Realtor, Realtor boy? boy? Yeah, exactly. Any of you guys, I tell you what, go to our go to our Facebook page. I'll share it again. We have one of the cutest videos. Uh, Seth's little boy is questionably the cutest little kid I've ever seen. We have him in a video that uh, he introduces himself as realtor boy. He's dressed in a suit and tie and he rides his bike up to the job site and he wears a hard hat and he's holding hammers and talking about lunch breaks and throwing me a soda. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, I, and, I, and then realtor mom. Yes. Is, she's a realtor. Yes. But she's very good at uh, the videos. I mean, the videos Noelle, are really Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. And very I, creative. Very talented family. So I'm, I'm uh, excited to see what this guy has to say for us. So Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, and I'll tell you what, you know, estate planning is something that I think, uh, you know, a lot of us don't probably think of until we start getting a little older. But right. I think he's going like, to like dispel our age. that. Yeah, exactly. We start thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It starts uh, aging quickly. But, you know, a cabin is one of those things, you know, sure. that it stays in the family. I mean, I know you guys got a family cabin. Yep. Up in Alexandria, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? What lake are you on? Ida. Like Ida, yeah. And so I don't know if you guys did a trust in that thing, but uh, I mean, where it can transfer over to, you know, the kids and kind of mm-hmm. be more of a legacy thing. Yeah, they did do that with, we have a farm as well. There's uh, the, my wife's family has a farm that's been, you know, six generations and it's kind of neat. They Some of the actual croplands have been sold off over the years, but the actual farm homestead has been put into a trust. And so those are things that, you know, legacies that you want to have carried on. And what's interesting, though, is that I find, too, is that you'll meet families where this generation that's inheriting it doesn't really care, but the next generation might. And so what happens is having that set up where your family's legacy can be carried on, I think, is 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 valuable to sometimes the next generation more than the generation currently inheriting it. So, Well, I think, too, you know, and I think estate planning also kind of gets your wishes out there as well, you know, because yeah. it could be, hey, you know what, once they're gone, this baby's gone, I'm selling mm-hmm. it, I'm going to go buy a motorcycle instead. And like you said, it might pass from the next generation that they're going to absolutely love that place right? instead, so... Well, it's, it's valid. I mean, you know, and I think that when you have, especially with siblings and, and having a plan, I think is the best way to avoid future, you know, family disputes and, and having that on paper so that, you know, it is laid out, you know, and I, I we deal a lot with our CCO listeners that call us and use us for real estate that are, um, you know, hey, we've inherited mom and dad's house or whatever. I deal with that quite a well, bit. Well, we do, right. And, and what happens is they fight over the simple things. Like, well, dad told me he wanted me to have his tools. And they're focused on those little things mm-hmm. and not the bigger picture. Some of the best estates I've had is where they instruct there'll be three appraisals. The medium, or the medium appraisal will be the price of the house. It'll be sold for 90 days at that price. Every, you know, 30 days after that, it'll drop $10,000 until the house sells. Anyone in the family can buy it for this price. And it's just totally laying agree. it out, and it makes it easy. Nobody has any questions. Nobody has any but. Well, you know what? The problem becomes later is that, you know, if they have to start making that decisions, then it goes back to, you know, when Johnny got the new bike and he stole the things, the spokes out of the wheel, <laughs> and they're going to cost them, you know, and, and they're going to fight about it. And then it costs you $20,000 in, you know, when you sell the place instead. It's yeah. just, it gets kind of crazy. So I think the more that you can do that and plan. Well, and everybody's version of, of maintenance is, is different as well. I mean, you've got. Some siblings that have the yard exactly one and a half inches and then the yard has the sprinklers going and the next guy will let it grow and look natural and it's a foot and a half long because they don't want to worry about, you know, putting fertilizer near the lake. So it's, it's um, I think those expectations are also important to have and maybe we can have Seth kind of comment on some of those things and how do you plan with the family and how do you, you know, prepare and, and make this a, an enjoyable experience down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, well, we'll do that. And just so you know, Seth is a south of the river guy. Just saying. Figures. After the break. All right. There they are. Chris Rooney and Andy Prasky. It is a real estate radio hour and it continues in a moment. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 1022 on a Saturday morning, the 1st of July. Lovely day. Partly cloudy, 70 degrees. Winds northwest at 11. It's a little breezy. Our dew point comfortable at 55. We'll have a complete update on the weather in about 10 minutes, around 1030 here 
on CCL. It's time to continue the Real Estate Radio Hour. Chris Rooney and Andy Prasky continue here on the CCO. All right. Well, this segment, we've got Seth Nielsen with Healy Duncan and is it Melander? It's Melander. Melander. And you guys are uh, over right off Normandale Lake over there in Bloomington, right? That's right. Like 484 and 100. It's a great location. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming in. We're going to do a little estate planning like we talked about. And uh, I don't, I guess for a general um, definition of estate planning, let me know. Sure. Well, estate planning is a pretty broad, broad topic, but it really is an opportunity for, for people to think about the future, for people to think about what they want to happen with their assets when, you know, as they age and as they are looking to pass them on to the next generation. But it's also a really great opportunity for people to think about what's important to them and their values and how they also want to help transition those to the next generation as well. It's a very broad and comprehensive planning approach. It's a great way to get your life organized and to to really put into place a plan now that will help to help uh, create a legacy for the long term. You know, Seth, we're seeing it a lot in real estate now. We started going to closings where it used to be in, uh, you know, George and Georgina's name. Now it's in the trust of Georgina. Um, now, why are people, what's the benefits of doing that? And I, and I also look at it and I say, you know what, there's people that are like in their forties that are starting to do this. And I'm like, gosh, they're going to be selling probably two, three more times. I mean, is there a process in which they can just move it to the next one too? Sure. It's, it's a very, very common uh, approach for people to transfer or to put property in the name of a trust. Um, there are several different types of trusts that you might consider putting it in, but what we see most common is people having a revocable trust set up, and they're doing that primarily for uh, for long-term planning purposes. The idea is that if you, if you own property in the name of a trust, when you pass away, the, the, the trust continues to own the property. So it takes it outside of the probate process, and it, it makes for a really smooth transition of the ownership of the property to whoever the, the next beneficiary is. So if you're the trustee and you're buying the property for your trust, you would you would be, for practical purposes, the owner of the property, even though it's in the trust's name. And then when something happens to you and it, and it would pass then to, say, your children, uh, you don't have to change the title of the property until the trust needs to terminate. Okay. Is there a reason that some people would just put it in, let's just say it was my my wife and I, it was Chris and Chris, Christine Rooney uh, Trust. But I've seen it a lot where it would just be in Christine Rooney's name. Instead, is there is that an estate planning thing that it's in one name, or is that just the name of the trust? Uh, in in one person's name, in terms of a trust being in just one person's name, yeah, that it actually mentions sure. just the one person's name in the trust. Yeah, there there are a lot of different reasons why you might consider doing that. You know, if 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 one spouse is maybe in a higher risk profession for a lawsuit, like a physician, uh, a lawyer, somebody that you know is in a higher risk profession, you might see one spouse taking. Uh, the property in his or her name as a maybe as a tool to help shield some assets in that in that respect. But you know, most commonly we we do see uh, you know couples take property um, in in uh, take the title at least jointly in both of their names. Okay, so now if you have one property, say I want to put my personal residence in a trust. What about like second homes or cabins or rental properties? Do they can they go in that same exact trust or is it like you have to have individual ones? Yeah, so this is one of those things where it really depends on the individual's uh, kind of unique circumstances. In some cases, yes, you can put, you know, whatever property you want into the same trust. 
uh, when you're getting into maybe a lake cabin or a vacation property, um, something that you might want to be a legacy asset that's going to stay in your estate for, you know, for m- many generations, that's something where you might want to consider other other planning approaches, like maybe putting it into an LLC. Um, the idea there is you want to have some sort of structure in place to allow the next generation to manage the asset. You know, trust is great for transferring assets from generation to the next generation, but with a with a with a lake cabin, with a vacation property, with a farm, things like that, where there is ongoing operate operations and the need to maintain the property, um, you might you might do other things. So it really does depend. But I mean, as a general matter, yes, you can certainly put more than one property into a trust if you want to. Now, when you talk about legacy properties, can you put other demands or stipulations within the trust that, like, hey, it's going it's going to all the kids, but it needs to stay. You can't sell it, all that kind of stuff, or is that would that be more of a will? You know, within uh, there there are certainly restrictions on that. You know, generally you don't want to alienate people's ability to transfer property. Uh, with a trust, you know, here in Minnesota itself, trust can only last so long. Um, we have what's called the rule against perpetuities, which is a pretty old arcane rule that says that if you're creating a trust, the interest that you're you're providing for have to vest in the beneficiary within a certain number of years. So. You can't put something into trust and expect that it's going to last there forever, but it is a really good long-term planning uh, planning tool. Other states, uh, I'm also licensed in South Dakota, they have different trust rules, and they actually allow you to create what's called a dynasty trust, and, that, and those trusts can last forever. There's no restriction on, on how long they can last. And so we do see some clients looking outside of the state of Minnesota even to create a, a trust in another state uh, for that primary purpose of being able to have it last longer. That's interesting because I've actually been running into people that are actually moving out of Minnesota into South Dakota just to, they're talking about all the tax benefits and that might be one of them. Uh, that wouldn't be a tax benefit, but the tax benefits of, of living in South Dakota are are pretty great. They don't have a state income tax. And so for you know people looking to to amass wealth in a trust, if you, if you are a South Dakota resident or if you can, you know, it's hard to avoid Minnesota sta- uh, tax if you create a trust. And my understanding is that if you're a Minnesota resident and you create a South Dakota trust, your your assets and the growth within that, within that trust is still going to be taxable here in Minnesota. But if you, if you are able to transition and become a South Dakota resident, um, if you're saving that 7 or 8% a year, uh, you compound that over many years and you can, you can see the impact that having your assets in, in a state like that, um, how, the impact that that could have over the long term. Yeah. We're talking with Seth Nielsen with Healy, Duncan, and Melander out of uh, Bloomington. Um, Seth, you're talking about uh, irrevocable and revocable trusts, the difference. Sure. So uh, that's kind of the most basic distinction between trust types. Uh, a revocable trust is really, it's a planning tool that allows people to transition property to the next generation, but it really allows them to retain um, control over the assets. So that's by far the most common kind of the entry-level trust planning that we see people doing where they move things into trust and they're not ready to maybe give things to their kids yet. That would be an irrevocable trust. Um, But with a revocable trust, they want to plan for the future while still retaining some control. With an irrevocable trust, you're starting to move assets out of your estate. And there's a lot of different reasons why one might do that. Um, but the idea there is that you are permanently parting with ownership of your asset. So it, it does take more planning. It's a more complex trust. 
And um, there are certainly a lot more tax implications that can come into play when you are, you know, essentially gifting away assets during your lifetime and having them held in the name of a trust. Okay. I know we got to go to break, but I was thinking maybe next segment we could talk about ages, like when to start all of these kind of things. Sure. We'll do that after the break. All right. We've got more on the Real Estate Radio Hour with Chris Rooney and Andy Prasky. We'll have the weather here in a second. 1035 on a lovely Saturday morning. It is the Real Estate Radio Hour. Andy Prasky and Chris Rooney are in today. Hey, yep. Seth Nielsen with Healy Duncan and Melander is with us today talking about uh, estate planning. You obviously do a, a bunch of other work. You're an attorney. I am. Yeah. And what other I disciplines? have a, a pretty broad practice. I, I do a fair amount of civil litigation, and then I do a lot of work with small and medium-sized businesses, helping them with whatever might come up in their day-to-day, whether it's contracting issues or real estate issues, employment issues. And then a, a component of my practice also is focused on estate planning. Yeah, exactly. And today we're talking a lot about the estate planning and uh, trusts that we're seeing a lot in real estate. So I think a lot of people think that, hey, to be able to have a trust, you got to be worth quite a bit of money in which to be able to do it. What is the typical client and when should a person get started? You know, one one thing that I learned very quickly in this area is that there's no such thing as the typical client, especially when you're talking about people's estates and their assets and their values. Everybody has kind of their own position that they're in. And from a client perspective, you know, there there really is no, no you know, cookie cutter client, um, you know, typical ideal client. I have some clients that are very young that are trying to be proactive and trying to get their, their, their estates in order. Like what age? You know, on on the younger end, I, I've seen people as as young as late twenties, really being, being with buried. families or like single people or what. Sometimes it's people that are that are just getting started with wow. families and trying to put a plan in place. Sometimes you know, parents will bring in their 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 younger kids that have uh, gone off to college to do some basic incapacity planning. So you know, kids that are eighteen, nineteen years of old, they're not really calling me themselves to get this done. It's oftentimes at the urging of their parents, but. Um, you know, that's that's on the younger end of things, all the way up to people that, that are later in life that are, you know, really looking to kind of to tie the final bow on their estate and get it ready for for the future. Okay. So as far as like putting your home in a trust, I mean, at what point is someone going to do that? I mean, I've, I've lived in 17 different houses. It's the hazard of the business. But uh, I mean, at what point should a person start to maybe, hey, it's time to be able to put that house in a trust? You know, it's it's a hard question to answer because you know most most people never put their house in a trust, and I think that's largely because they don't know that it's an option. They don't know how to do it. They think that it's an overly complicated process, and it's really not. It's it's really no different than, uh, you know, from a from a a, a mechanics perspective. It's no real diff, no different than just putting it in your own name. You're just putting it in the name of a trust. Now you have to have a trust set up first, but once you have that, you're you're you know the process is really the same. Um, when do you consider putting a house in a trust? Again, is one of those questions where, you know, if you know for sure that you're not going to be there for a long time and you're going to sell it soon, maybe you consider not putting it in the trust. But again, the idea with the trust is that it's it's really a holding pot for your assets that can be then used to to avoid having those assets in the probate process. And unfortunately, nobody knows when they're going to need that trust. Nobody knows when they're going to get into a car accident that that might unfortunately take their life or when they may be you know traveling out of the country and, and something may happen 
where they really need the house to be in that trust. And so we always encourage people to consider putting you know their home in trust sooner rather than later. But again, there's not a, a one size fits all answer for that. Do you see that trust as more of a, I mean, a protection of your assets or tax benefit type thing? So with a revocable trust, it, it doesn't really do either of those things. You don't get any tax benefits from moving your property into a revocable trust because, again, you're basically still the owner. You still uh, retain all those incidents of ownership in that you can sell the property, you can give it away, you can mortgage it. Um, you also don't really get any creditor, creditor protection because for the same reasons, really. It's still your property for all practical purposes. That's when, if you're looking at trying to uh, to get certain tax benefits now, or if you're looking to try to uh, put a plan into place that might have some creditor protection elements to it, that's really when you get into the more advanced irrevocable trust planning. So how far can you go with an irrevocable trust? I mean, is that, I would venture to guess that an irrevocable would be maybe some people with a lot more higher net worth that would go that route. Because it's basically just getting it out of your Getting, it's out of your name and completely gone at that point. Yeah, you're you're completely right. It's I mean it's it's a much bigger decision to make, and you don't see people that are you know that are living paycheck to paycheck that want to have an estate plan done. Those those types of people typically aren't doing irrevocable planning. So you are you are typically looking at people that are um, you know that have a significant net worth that are looking for for ways to over the course of a number of years transition some of their their funds out of their estate to help bring their federal taxable estate down or their their state taxable estate down to try to avoid um, some of those estate taxes. Yeah, so and I think the other thing is it's harder to hold your kids hostage if you lose that leverage. Exactly. I mean, they got to be nice to you. Yeah, it, you're 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 right. It's it's kind of a, a funny thing to say, but you know, pe- people are obviously concerned about the idea of giving up control and you you know, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with where your your kids are in their lives before you want to go down that path. So in an irrevocable trust and you were say you're living in that home, could you, do you get a life estate on top of that? I mean, is that how you set it up? There, there's different ways to do it. I mean, a, li- a life estate is, is sort of a, it's sort of a separate issue. It's more of a titling issue. Um, but you know, if you're still living in the property, you could be a lifetime beneficiary potentially. You know, I typically don't see a whole lot of people that are um, putting properties that they're living in, into an irrevocable trust. You're usually going to hold that probably in an irrevocable trust. Okay. So it's typically bigger, bigger assets, you know, like if you have companies or buildings that your company is in, those kind of things that you do. That, you know, types of, of securities, you know, mar- uh, different types of uh, mutual funds, stocks. Um, you can move any type of an asset out of your estate. It's essentially gifting it away and whether you gift it directly to your kids or whether you're gifting it to a, a trust, um, it's just you know the idea with the trust is that you're putting it into a, a container, if you will, that's allowing you to have um, you know put put certain controls in place as to how the asset's going to be managed or used in the future. If I'm considering doing a trust, and I come ask you, what do you what do you say to me that says, hey, that I'm going to go forward and, and start doing all this type of estate planning? I think at I don't know. I think, and sometimes people always think they're gonna, you know, live forever. And and we know how far it goes. I mean, I just turned fifty, and my God, I mean, that was that got here pretty darn quick, you know. And my wife and I were just talking uh, the other night, and we we're starting to talk about this stuff. And I'm like, "There's no way." I mean, it's already here. But 
What do you What do you tell people that are thinking about doing it? You're You're exactly right. Time flies. I I now have uh, three little kids, and the oldest is five. And we, you know, my wife and I have have bought and sold now several homes. And you know, you look back over time and you think, you know, how how did we get to where we are now? Because things just move so quickly. It's it's you know, it's never too early to start the process. And it's a lot of people think estate planning is a is a product. They think it's something that they're going to go get done. And then they're going to be done. And the reality is that it is an ongoing process that, you know, you shouldn't need to be updating your plan every year, certainly. But when you have big life changes, when you're buying a new house, if you're having more kids still, if you are, you know, buying a business or you need to make some some big changes with a business, those are things that you're going to want to to potentially incorporate in your estate plan. So, you know, I don't think people are ever, it's never too, too soon to start. And it's not a, a, an overly complicated process, especially if you get get started when you're you're younger, it really makes the, the, the planning later in life a little bit easier if you already have that groundwork laid. How about the maintenance of doing an estate planning? I mean, is it something that I have to come meet with you every year and kind of hit on some other things? Or is it, hey, let's check back in five years? You know, I, I try to reach out to people on an annual basis. But for, for most people, I mean, there, there's not typically things that need to be to be done every year. It's more of a check-in just so that the clients feel comfortable and so that they know that, that I'm here as a resource if they do have questions. On on average, I would say we see people that are reaching out wanting to make changes every maybe three to five years, and oftentimes it's 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 minor changes. You know, you see with with a, with estate plans, it allows younger parents to designate who might be a guardian for their kids. You know, that's something where five years from now, the person that they had designated in their estate plan as the guardian, uh, maybe it's not the same person who would be the best fit for their kids now. And now that their kids are five years older. Or you may see, you know, different de- uh, beneficiary designations in a trust um, needing to be changed. Or you may, you know, there may be a new business that, that a, a client is looking at starting, and they need to figure out how that business is going to be held and, and how it's going to be incorporated into their estate. So there are just so many different factors uh, that might pop up in people's lives that may be a reason to consider revising an estate plan. Pretty sharp young man here, Seth Nielsen. Uh, what, a St. Thomas undergrad, and then where'd you go, William Mitchell? That's right, St. Yep. Thomas and, and, and William Mitchell. So I've been in the, the St. Paul and Twin Cities area now for a long time. Yeah, uh, formerly from Iowa. Formerly from Hawkeye Iowa. Hawkeye or Gopher fan? My, 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 my dad one? went to the Univers- University of Iowa for dental school, so I've always been a Hawkeye fan. You're a Hawkeye, uh-oh. All right, how do people get a hold of you? You know, I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of. You can find us at our, our firm's website, which is HealyDuncan.com, our Firm's phone number is 952-841-0001. And that's Seth Nielsen. And Healy's H-E-L-E-Y. H-E-L-E-Y. And Duncan, Duncan is D-U-N-C-A-N. Yeah. All right. Got to take a break. All right. The Real Estate Radio Hour with Chris and Andy continues in a moment. The McCarthyAuto.com time is 1046. Certified Cadillacs on sale up to 40% off. The original MSRP. Check out McCarthyAuto.com today. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back. It is the Real Estate Radio Hour. Chris Rooney and Andy Praski here on CCO. We tried to move on, but Andy wants to get a few more questions. Yeah, because was, uh, I was so informed, and, yeah. and, and they tied me That's up, That's the quietest guys. you've ever been. They've had way. me tied up in the hallway, <laughs> and uh, they wouldn't let me talk. But, I no, Seth, I, I had questions. So if I'm an adult and I have uh, – well, I am an adult. If I had a child where I was concerned De- about – Debatable. <laughs> right. 
that's, Anyways, a, whole, that's a whole other hour. Um, and age-wise, you're minutes. definitely an adult. Right. Thank you. Yes. And uh, relate the second graders. Um, the uh, but anyway, so the the idea that coming down to it, you wanting to protect one of my my child, you know, children, and having the um, I want to have a house that. Um, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not a multi-multi-millionaire, but I do have a house that's worth a couple hundred thousand. I would like them to be able to stay in that house and afford that house. How do I, you know, transfer that successfully um, without a lot of tax obligations that I know they could never afford or pay? Sure. So we, we see a lot of people using trust for that purpose and moving moving the property into a trust and having a structure in place so that when it's when it's time for your child to, to take ownership or to, to treat it like ownership to live in the house, it, the, the ownership piece has already kind of been removed from the equation because it's put into a trust. And there's all sorts of flexibility that you then have to to kind of provide guidelines as to what you're expecting from your child in terms of their, you know, their behavior in the future and how you want them to, to live their life and, and to make sure that the house is then going to be going to be protected. We'll see people put it into a trust for their kid to use for a period of time, um, maybe for their lifetime and then going, you know, being being an asset for their children or for, you know, sometimes people will have a remainder beneficiary of a charity. So the, the trust is a good option. The one thing that we see people do oftentimes is just deed property over to their kids. Mm-hmm. And people think that they're doing something proactive and doing the right thing. And many times we see that creating a tax obligation because it's a lifetime gift. Um, another big issue is when you when you gift property over, your um, the, the person that's receiving it doesn't get the stepped up basis in the property that they would get if it was inherited. Mm. So, you know, if you have a, a $500,000 property that you want to get to your kids and you have a, a very low basis in it because you bought it many years ago, mm-hmm. there's a big benefit to working it into an estate so that it's going to transfer and your your kids are going to get that stepped up basis for if they want to sell in the future. Perfect. And then, you know, my other question was, so I want to be the fun uncle and I want to have my nieces and nephews or even my children or whatever I have the cabin and I want to set it up where that cabin, the taxes are paid, maybe even the grass is mowed as far as my estate will allow it to be paid for as a gift to my family and the people that I love. How do I, is that, is that the similar process or how does that, you know, how it, would we structure something? It, it, it is. I mean, we see some people doing that in trust. We see a lot more people putting cabins and vacation properties and farms into an LLC where they can have an operating agreement and they can really specify, you know, what the obligations are of each of the members and each of the family members that are going to participate and it allows, you know, it allows uh, mechanisms for if disputes come up, how they're going to be mm-hmm. handled. It talks about who's going to be sharing in the expense of, you know, paying to have the lawn mowed and paying to have the, the cabin winterized. And, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to help out, put the dock in every year and pull it out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, it, it really provides a nice framework that will hopefully help to avoid disputes in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things we see is parents, you know, they have these legacy assets like a cabin that they they really want to remain in the family. But without a plan in place, you know, once mom and dad are gone, without an LLC or a trust or some sort of a a structure like that, it's just hard to know what exactly is going to happen. Well, and having that exit strategy for some of the siblings as well might not be a bad idea because you get the one brother, the sister that says, you know what, as much as I appreciate mom and dad wanting us to own this together, I don't want to. And having that as part of it would be a nice clause. Well, how about this too? What about um, people that you know, that have gotten it. So the the great uncle here, the fun uncle, just gave it to one of his nephews. That's a real problem. That's got uh, liens against him. He's got judgments, getting in lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. Is that going to, this plan's going to have in place that that's not going to be able to tie against this property then too? Yeah, I mean, you'd want to make sure that you're not gifting it to somebody that has creditor issues. That's something that you'd look into on the front end because if you do just gift over property and they have creditor issues, there's nothing that would prevent a creditor most likely from going after the property. But if you have it in in, a, in an appropriate 
vehicle, whether it's a trust or uh, an LLC may or may not be appropriate depending on the situation, but it, it, it's going to remove it from even the beneficiary's ability to make a, a, an absolute distribution or receive a distribution. You know, you may be able to work that in to have credit or protection, but still allow them to have the benefit of using the property. I think, Andy, that makes sense why you didn't get on that trust. <laughs> no, they, they made Andy. me form my own LLC. I don't get it. I, uh, yeah. No Andy LLC. They only gave me rights to the gas tanks, um, and I have to fill them every week before the kids get there. How about uh, what do we got going this weekend? It's not. We're actually full fledged uh, open houses across the board. I've got stuff from St. Paul all the way over to you know uh, the northwest suburbs. New construction. Um, I always tell everybody just go to Prasky dot com and uh, or you can go to our Facebook page if you find me on Facebook buying and selling home systems in Minnesota, and uh, you can kind of follow us there, and then you get the auto. Uh, whatever news coming up, right? No, nice, that, and it's not so invasive. Really, those are some really good reports too. Thank you. They really are. They're they're very informative. Um, I've actually stolen. I mean, I use them. Uh, <laughs> Rip off well. and duplicate. R and D, baby. That's the best way in which to do that's it. That's right. But uh, you know, and that's what I was going to say. ChrisRooney.com is my website, and I've just got so many unique um, properties now. I mean, mm-hmm. unique in that there's just options that are involved with them. I mean, right. I've got five golf course properties that are, I mean, fantastically priced. I've got homes that are on um, acreage that all can be subdivided. Mm-hmm. So someone could go in and, you know, develop off some. In one case, completely sell off a couple lots and pay off the whole house and have nothing, but mm-hmm. still have a ton of acreage. So um, some real interesting things. Well, I got a guy you can call. He's right Seth, here with us. Seth, Seth. He's a South yeah. River guy. He might, yeah, that might be. He wanders good. north. He came up to my office. Any talk, anytime, Chris. You just, just yeah. let me know. Let's let's get I your information again respect. too, just so people have it. And uh, uh, you very informative today. Very impressed. Yeah, very much. Thank sure. you. So my firm is is Healy Duncan and Melander. I'm a partner there. Um, you can find information at our firm, which is Healy, at our website, which is HealyDuncan.com. Um, you can uh, reach us by phone at nine five two. Eight four one zero 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 one. And again, we will have Realtor Boys video up on our website here, which is uh, is actually you guys will get a kick out. Of it. You got to see this video. This kid is so cute. He's been asking to do another one, Andy. So maybe we yeah. can get that in he, the works. Did he comb his hair one time? He was said, combing hey, his hair because I Joe yeah. my hair. You know, yeah, of course, right. everybody makes fun of me. <laughs> and uh, he he sends me a video where he's combing his hair, and he says, "Andy, I'm having trouble with my hair. What gel should I use?" <laughs> Your name comes up in conversation regularly, Andy. Well, because so. we relate. That's he, scary. We well, just like Justin Jerkovich's son was in yeah. the studio a couple yeah. weeks ago, and he asked me at the end of the, the recording, he says, can uh, you come over and play? <laughs> <laughs> well, before you got to remember, he was kind of hanging on his dad's leg. Yeah. And by the end, he's all over he's Andy. He's sitting on my so. lap, and we're having fun. and yeah. But So if you want to list a house, and, and you take care of the kids well. Sure. Your kids will love him. I'll tell Old you that. Full-fledged babysitting. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> No, but it, uh, we appreciate you coming in, Seth. This was a great show, and uh, I think a lot of people learned a lot today. And, and uh, you know, thank you again. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, we'll see you all guys next week. All right, there they are. Chris Rooney, Andy Prasky, and the Real Estate Radio Hour, Saturdays from 10 to 11, here on News Radio, E3O-WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.